you need benchmarking in your business because it's going to help you make progress. I mean, ultimately, we're all trying. I mean, we're all good people. We're all trying to make a profit. We're all trying to grow our business. You need some sort of baseline to help guide where you need to focus. This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PNP Industry Insider Podcast, where we take a look at what is changing in the past and loan industries, and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. As always, I'm Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which has Triangle Pest as well as Triangle Lawn. And with me is the omnipresent, omni, omniscient, or, or I don't know, maybe, I don't, I can keep omni, the omni of omnis. How's that? Mr. Dan Gordon. Sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah. Good morning, Dan Gordon, PCO Bookkeepers, PCO MA Specialists. Um, I'm here with Donnie today. It looks like he's in a gulag or something, like, a, <laughs> he, like, like some sort of Soviet uh, jail cell. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's where's that, yeah. that calm little fireplace that we normally oh, Yeah, I know. I know. So, so for those of you that are listening and not watching, Dan is correct. I'm I'm actually in a hotel and it's early morning and I don't have my normal setup. So hopefully you guys can hear me. But um, but it is absolutely it looks like I'm freaking getting, you know, interviewed or something like that or interrogated. So and I probably will be by the end of this podcast, but continue on, Dan. I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> so uh anyway, um let's see, uh announcements. Uh please uh, support our sponsors, our sponsors uh Peshur. Uh, which is an insurance captive insurance company for the pest control industry. Some of the best and brightest uh, folks in the industry use PestSure for their liability, uh, for their auto, workers' comp, and other. And then um, for those of you looking to do marketing, Cold March by Workwave to learn more, it's coldmarch.com. And if you're interested in joining a P- PMP industry peer group, please listen to. Uh, episode 136 or go to pmpindustryinsider.com slash peer groups. Uh, I don't know whether it's forward or backward, but maybe Donnie can tell you. Uh, he, he, forward he, slash. He, he yes. unlashed me last week. So so anyway, uh, yeah, we're doing that with David Billingsley. Uh, we put together several groups and uh, they are actually um, – Doing quite well, so pretty pretty proud of that. Yeah. And um, I will. There is one more thing, and being the technical uh, guru that Donnie is, I'm going to let him explain it because I have no idea how this works. And uh, oh goodness, oh goodness. So yes, so if you've been listening to podcasts as of late, or if you've been keeping up with what's happening in the podcast industry, Apple has changed their approach to how they count podcasts. And so <clears throat> what will happen is, is that if you don't download uh, episodes or don't listen to five episodes, they will automatically unsubscribe you from that podcast. So if you've not um, downloaded an episode recently, ask that you do that. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. You can follow us, of course, whether it be on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, however it is that you uh, consume the content. My preference is YouTube, of course, but it could be whatever you'd like. So you can just go to the Apple Podcast app, search for our podcast, which is PMP Industry Insiders, and then select show page in that top right-hand corner. You'll see a down or pause and just tap the symbol to turn on automatic downloads, and you will not miss an episode. Um, <clears throat> of course, we always appreciate the followers. And we appreciate you. At the end of the podcast, of course, I will tell you what to do with all the negativity. And with that, Dan, take us into our topic today. Well, 
we prefer YouTube too, and that's why you can see Donnie in his gulag. Okay. <laughs> uh, today's topic, uh, want to do better than average? Use industry averages to benchmark. And uh, this came uh, about by uh, a friend of mine who uh, showed me a couple of social media posts. Uh, we love social media, LOL. Uh <laughs> an endless supply of topics for us to dissect and talk about. Some are very valid some not so valid. But over the last couple of weeks, we saw some discussion about benchmarking and industry averages. And in one such post, the question was raised that if I'm better than average or I want to be better than average, why am I looking at averages? Why are they so relevant? And it's, I kind of looked at it and I said, you know what? This is a great topic. It's, it's a very interesting question. And so today we're going to take a look at some financial and operational averages and see why it makes sense to look at those averages in order to benchmark. So before we, what? Did I, did I screw something up? No, you didn't screw anything up. I'm just laughing at this. This someone actually said this. Yeah. It, it, uh, but, uh, look, the beauty of social media is, <laughs> you know, people... Don't hide. Okay. If you're the one, oh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you're the one that wrote that and you're listening to this episode, I'm going to apologize now because I'm going to, I've got some thoughts about this and they're, I don't know, I don't know that they're very kind, but continue on. Cause I mean, well, I, it, I, I have to tell you before we got on, you know, before we started recording, Donnie and I talked about this and um, I kind of made fun of it, but. You know, Donnie said, well, that's your ego speaking. And I said, you know, what? you're absolutely right. I, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, people ask stupid questions all the time. And um, but out of stupid questions, sometimes come really, really good points. And this yes, yes. like a foundational yes. question in yes. terms of growing a business or doing, you know, uh, uh, or, or trying to do a continuous improvement on mm -hmm. any such thing. So before we continue, just so that we can kind of frame this conversation, I went on AI. Oh, boy. And got a oh boy. benchmarking. Uh, I was well. Well, before you do that, can we at least set a little bit of framework and, and a yes, few sure. just disclaimers up front? So, so number one, um, <clears throat> I started laughing when he said this, mainly because it's almost a nonsensical observation. So, and the the, the only example I can think of, just kind of off the cuff here, is I'm not a basketball player. Okay, I mean I'm just not. Um, but, but I mean, I can, I know how to play basketball. And if I were to go say to my local uh, head start or local kindergarten and, and I were to be playing ball with, with those kindergartners, I'm pretty sure that even given my bad skills, I would dominate. Right. In terms of averages. That's because would you probably... would be fouling those little kids. And not <laughs> oh, I would totally push them down. Yeah. Push them down. I mean, but the yeah. fact is, is that I would be, the top player hands down okay yeah now <clears throat> take me now put me hell even in a high school game <laughs> i'm gonna say pro right and i'm gonna i'm gonna get decimated right so this whole idea that i don't need to look at averages because i'm above average like it's almost like saying well i'm above average but i don't define 
the the <clears throat> the scale of what above average even means. So so if that's the case, then of course, right, I could go and play with kindergartners and be above average. But but the fact is, you know, it's you can't say that you're above average unless you've got some sort of scale that you're measuring against. And so if you throw out the scale and you say, well, the scale is not important because I want to be above average, then what are you doing? <laughs> that doesn't make so any, that's just that's to, why I started laughing. So just to recap what Donnie said, that he wants to join kindergarten because he's probably can <laughs> is more intelligent than those kids, probably better yes. uh, at athletics and can uh-huh. these kids on their can. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay, but let's get back to our topic. So uh, let's define benchmarking because that's what's, what Donnie was just saying, okay, you've got averages and then you benchmark against it. So benchmark is a standard or point right. of reference against which things may be compared or assessed, right? So let's talk about benchmarking and how do averages play into benchmarking. And um, why don't you uh, get started bit, here? Uh, yeah, start, get started. So first and foremost, let's just talk about why you should benchmark and why you should know those numbers. Okay. So first and foremost, this whole idea that, you know, I'm going to be better than average, so I shouldn't look at averages. That's silly. No one is 100% and awesome in every single benchmark in the industry. And if you are, please reach out and show me on the podcast, shoot me an email, whatever. But I'm not telling you that no one is above averages, but I'm not going to, but I don't think anyone is in the top 1% in every single benchmark when it comes to our industry. So, so that's first and foremost. Second thing is, is that you can't really know, like let's, you know, in, in the case of like, just say test and lawn, right? We're all playing pro now, right? We're all professionals. You do need to know what are normal people just like you who are out playing the game, how are they doing and where are they landing? And that, you know, ultimately that benchmarking is really an opportunity for you to look at your business from a very broad perspective and to say, okay, what needs to be improved now? And you may be great at sales, you know, your gross margin may be down. Your gross margin may be great, but your lead production is down. I mean, there's just so many different things. And so this whole idea that, um, I shouldn't have to look at averages because I'm better than average. Again, I laugh at that because, I mean, who knows? I mean, someone, maybe they just had a moment. I mean, we all do. Lord knows I'm guilty of saying a lot of stupid stuff, but that that is pretty hilarious. But but the point here is, is that you should look at benchmarks and the industry should be benchmarked because the fact of the matter is, is that you think about any game, you know, in my mind, business is a game. Can you imagine any game that's played professionally where you don't know where the averages are? Right. I mean, you take a football game or a basketball game or, you know, a box score for a baseball player. I mean, that to me and and ultimately what those do is it helps you quickly assess, Okay, this is where this player is at. This is where this this is where this team is at. And here is where we need to work. I mean, as an owner, in my mind, there's nothing better than benchmarks and then and then overlaying where you're at according to those benchmarks, because that gives you a nice clear path of like, okay, this is the next thing we need to focus on. Um, because without that, you're kind of just winging it. And, and you may be absolutely fantastic at, you know, let's just take a case of growing a business on recurring revenue. A lot of people think that it's all about sales and that's true when you're small, but when you get large, it's all about retention. 
you know, I mean, <laughs> the fact of the matter is the game changes. I'm not telling you sales aren't important, but I will tell you this. If you get really large, you can't outsell that cancel rate, especially if it sucks. You won't. And so, you know, if you didn't have benchmarks and you didn't have a roadmap, you might be tooling along thinking you're killing it. And meanwhile, you got this massive hole out the backside of your company and you're not really making any great progress. And so this whole idea that, well, I should, I, anyway, I, I'm going to go on from well, that. No, I, so, it, it, what you just drove it, I, this is, we're kind of off our script a little bit, but it's interesting because <laughs> I had a call with somebody last week about just that. He's a door-to-door company. He's probably mm-hmm. about five or six million dollars in annualized revenue, doing great. And he told me, because he didn't know what the industry average for attrition was, right? Door to door is usually higher, but he said, Well, I don't really know what it is, but we are shooting for eight percent this year. And I said, eight percent, you're a door-to-door company. Even if you were a traditional company, eight percent is crazy off the charts, amazing. Mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. seen anybody do 8%. Mm-hmm. Maybe Centricon, just that right. piece of, because it, it, it's such a... Sticky um, service. Yeah. yeah. But uh, 8%. But but I said to him, well, what we usually see is 12 to 15% in best-in-class mm-hmm. companies. Correct. But in door-to-door, we see significantly higher than that. So... You can start with 8% and you're setting yourself up for failure every single time, or you can look at the averages and then say, okay, well, you know, maybe the average is 18% for your particular, you know, whatever your, your business, and it's probably higher, but, but if that's the number, then, okay, am I better or am I worse? And can I ratchet it down to get to the average or better than average? But I got to you know, at least know what the average is. You, you talking about that just reminded me of of a concept that I that I think about often. Um, you know, our company we're, we're not a massive company, but we're not a small company either. And and one of the things I think about is, and I didn't develop this concept. It's a concept that I heard on a Jocko con- podcast years ago, um, but it's a great concept. And this whole idea of leadership capital, right? You only have so much leadership capital to spend, you know, and so you have to pick your battles. You know what I mean? Like you're, if you're, if you're like full bore 10 on every single item, you know, eventually what's going to happen is end up going to be a negative because you're, you're blowing leadership capital that you don't have. You're not ever building any leadership capital. And and this, this is a really big topic, but you know, in some cases, if someone has an idea and it's going to work, then don't die on that hill. If it's something where it, this has to happen and you got to go and, and I think Dan talked about, you know, walking through walls or whatever, then you need to do that. But it's pretty rare. But but my point here is, is that going back to this, uh, this concept that you, I mean, this, this example you used of guy one, 8%. Can you imagine working for that guy? And that's his, that's his standard, which is in my, I'm not going to say it's unachievable, I would say that you would have to spend a ton, a ton, a ton of leadership capital over an expectation that is probably unrealistic and what that's going to do to your staff. The only way I could see getting that done is a one-man operation who has the relationships with every single customer and even then has to eat a lot of crow in order to make that 8%. But that's just my experience. And Hell, I only been doing this for over twenty years. So, well, um, I mean, you know, and that's the whole point of benchmarking, right? Is that you you kind of know 
where where the middle is and you can kind of overlay where you're at. And then it's like, okay, how am I going to spend my leadership capital in a way that's going to actually make improvement overall in the business? So I mean, define leadership this. capital. Is that emotional capital? It's, it's not <laughs> it is. It's, what, what is it? It's not. You know, it's this whole thing of getting people to follow you and people to listen to you and really buy into you as a leader. And, you know, the fact is, is that people, you know, you can, of course, lead by authority and that's only going to get you so far. You know, if you want to be a really good leader, you're going to have to lead by influence. and You're going to have to lead because people trust you and they want to follow you. If you're someone who guns someone down over the silliest stupid things or you gun someone down over something that's unrealistic, they're no longer going to trust you. Right. They're no longer going to have that relationship with you. And so you're really burning all of your leadership capital, the ability to get people to do things that they may not believe that they can do because now they don't trust you. They think that you don't know what you're doing. And so ultimately, you know, of course you can lead by authority and of course you can lead by coercion, but you're only going to go so far and you're not really going to get keep everyone's buy-in. So that's kind of, does that, is that kind of clear yeah. leadership? Capital? No, that, 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 that's a good one. So, um, it, yeah, absolutely. But so let's get back to our outline that we. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So we talked about averages, right? That that's your target or not, not a target that that's a, a starting point, right? Right. What is the difference between a goal and a benchmark? Okay. Yeah. That's, Go ahead. You know. So uh, goals are what you want to achieve while benchmarks compare to your actual results against a reference, that reference being the average. So that's the difference, right? Uh, yeah. Goals are broad statements. Benchmarks are specific, measurable items. Mm, all right. This is this is where you and I are going to – this is where you and I are going to – Depart a little bit. You're going to have a little bit of it. Yeah. So first of all, a goal as a broad statement is not a goal at all. In fact, it's a wish. To me, a goal is not a goal. And this is, you know, it just, and I'm not going to go back into this whole I, smart paradigm, but it's. No, no, you, you're absolutely right. A goal has to have a time attached to it and a number attached to it, but it's broad. Correct. Right. It's, it's, you know, I want my company to do $10 million. Okay. But the benchmark is, well, in order to do that, I need to keep my attrition under 15%. I need to have growth at 14%, blah, blah, blah. Gross, you know, right? So that's. I don't like the broad statement, statement okay. about goals. <laughs> okay. It's too broad, but I will say, too broad. I will say this, you are correct, you know, in terms of. Yes, benchmarks are specific. I think goals need to be specific. And I think benchmarks help develop those goals to me. You know, when you think about the whole SMART you know, acronym, right? Specific, measurable, achievable. That third one there, achievable, without a benchmark, how do you know? Mm -hmm. Right? How do you know? Like, how do you know, like, this is, this is achievable or this is not achievable? I mean, me scoring 20 points in a you know, a little league game in basketball versus me scoring 20 points in a college game, I'd say I have a lot higher chance in the <laughs> the preschoolers than I do in the college game, right? And so my at point here is that stand, right? at least I know where I stand. The whole idea of achievable, like that's that that to me is where benchmarks are extremely helpful. And they're also extremely helpful in terms of measurement because now you have something that is standard that, that is 
that is a standard measurement that's used in the industry. And you know that this is where most people are coming in. So now when I make a goal, I can make a goal that I know that is either A, achievable or B, not. So, all right, continue on. All right. Well, now that you shot that apart, let's uh, do the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> let's do uh let's talk about what benchmarking is and i came up with three elements of benchmarking check my college textbooks which are written in a cave somewhere chiseled uh, uh -huh. three elements of bench benchmarking is uh performance uh, you, you got to choose the KPIs to study. So the key, key performance indicators, right? So you can have plenty of benchmarks, right? You can have mm -hmm. uh, miles per gallon for your trucks. You can have, you know, as we said, attrition rate, you can have gross margins, you can have, um, it, it can be all over the board, right? Uh, it can right. be contests with your technicians, right? Uh, right? And then we, you know, what, what I like to do is to choose those benchmarks. And then you look at historic, your company internal, and then you look at industry and or, uh, you know, broad business uh, environment, external, right? So do you have an accurate historic data point in your company? That's why it's really important to make sure that your CRM, the data in there is really good, that your QuickBooks, the data in there is really good so that you can look at last year or the year before and say, right. I'm making these inroads. And then uh, from, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, you could use our cost study or anybody's cost study or our test index, right? How are you doing against the industry and or how you doing against the overall economy, right? Um, you know, right. what, what you know, um, you know. <clears throat> so. Well, there's a few things to think about, I think, as we're talking about this, which is, first of all, um, yeah, I mean, in, in just a shameless plug here, if you've not downloaded Dan's cost study, you, you absolutely should do that. I did a whole course with my management team where we I basically taught them the financials of pest control and lawn care and how basically how the business works and what the critical KPIs are and what those performance metrics are. And then I also, I mean, Dan saw the presentation I, and I overlaid how we were doing as compared to um, industry standard. And in some cases we were killing it in other cases we were not, but it was a big eye opener and it was a great training opportunity for our leadership team, because, um, you know, not everyone is running a business. Not everyone has the perspective and, and you, you know, some of the things that you assume that people know, you probably should double check. So, <clears throat> so if you have not downloaded that cost study, if you haven't looked at it, if you've not trained your team on it, a huge opportunity to do that. I think you should absolutely do that. It's going to be interesting Thanks. this summer. We're, we, we're using a new piece of software. That's a, a, a report writer that it sits over all of our clients. So we're able that cost study took hundreds of hours to put together. Now we're going to be able to do it like each quarter by hitting a button. It's pretty amazing stuff. So uh, we'll be up. To that's pretty cool. The, the, the other thing I would say, and this is more of just kind of a, uh, a, a, a caution as you go about this is, Make sure that if you start looking at performance metrics and you push them against people, uh, I see this mistake often is sometimes people will judge the performance of, say, a sales team based on a, a, a metric that they cannot necessarily control. And so <clears throat> there are metrics for the business, there are KPIs for the business, and then there's KPIs for people. And what you don't want to do is use KPIs for the business and map it back to people because it may be out of their control. Um, Explain that. that that's a so so an, yeah. I mean, so an example would be, let's say, 
let's say that you have a marketing person and you're going to say, hey, your KPI are sales. And let's say this marketing person, like that makes sense, right? Their marketing and their goal is, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the pipeline, the reason you do marketing is to get sales, okay? But let's say that you're judging that person and, and you're using KPIs against them, again, just for sales. Well, you've totally undermined what that person is doing because they may be killing it on leads. And now all of a sudden you've got a close rate issue going on in the office. And now this person who's in marketing feels like, well, I'm being judged unfairly or I'm being um, metric unfairly because, you know, down the line, I've got these, you know, for lack of a better word, these people who can't sell in the office who aren't closing these leads. Um, and so, so my only point is, is just make sure that if you use a KPI, you know, there's KPIs for the business should know. There's also KPIs for people. Don't ever put a KPI on a person that, in, they, that they cannot completely control. Because if you do that, what you're going to do is you're going to disconnect behavior from the KPI. And, and at that point, it's not going to mean anything to the person. Um, so just be, by, by the way, just say, to get specific with I, the, the point, I take the point, but just what you were just talking about, when we do a chart of accounts, marketing and sales are two separate items because they're two separate categories. You could be killing it in marketing and horrible in sales or vice versa. And don't mm -hmm. confuse the two because you, you'll fall into the trap that you just mentioned. So it's really important to monitor the two separately. Yeah. I mean, and the same thing could be, you know, let's just say for a technician, you know, in customer service, right? Let's say you're, you're, you're marking a technician against customer service and you use a global number or a global metric for that. And like, let's just say you're going to use the company and you're going to bonus everyone on that. That's kind of a crappy stat. I mean, I'm not telling you that you can't do any of those things. I'm just telling you, they're not going to have the effect on behavior that you want them to have because now that person doesn't feel empowered or that they can completely control it. And so, if you put KPIs on people, just make sure that they can completely control that KPI. Otherwise, keep it out and find, dig in and find some other KPIs that they can completely control. So that's my, not that I've ever done so that. So <laughs> I, I picked out some things and, and, and this is, you know, uh, just like financial KPIs uh, <clears throat> uh, for pest and lawn, and maybe you have some operational ones, but um, why are, what are the most important? So somebody, you know, talks to me, well, how do I succeed in pest or lawn? Somebody from outside the business, a lot of PE guys. Well, what, what are the, mm -hmm. it's to me, it's labor, marketing, and materials. Those three things, you keep those three things in check. You're making good money. You don't, and you're not making good money. So within that, I like to look at what is my labor percentage, not, you know, technician labor, sales labor, office labor, materials. I like to separate out if I'm a termite company, like, uh, you know, uh, you, you want to have different categories because, you know, termite materials cost a lot more than general pest materials. Lawn care materials cost a lot more than, than general pests. So you want to break those out. Auto, um, you know, the, 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 the ones that you would look at are leasing or, you know, your depreciation, you know, that, that non-cash charge, uh, fuel costs, which fluctuate quite a bit. The interesting thing about fuel costs are that everybody in the world can relate to fuel costs because everybody buys gas. So when gas doubles, they go, oh my gosh, the, the sky's full. But the fact is your P&L might take on an extra point or two of expenses. Labor is where it's at. Right. So 
uh, you know, so so auto is you know uh, insurance. Insurance is a big one. We talked to Todd Burke the, a couple of weeks ago from Peshur, and um, the the vehicle insurance is very very high, and it's not easy to place anywhere. Uh, and it doesn't matter what state you're in. There's there's a lot of uh, you know your your insurance rates on the vehicles are quite high. Um, talk to you about sales or marketing costs, management costs, and office costs. So I like to look at all of those items as um you know i'm i'm actually shocked dan you're not talking about your break-even analysis <laughs> well, we get this time. But, well but i i would say just getting back to what dan is saying it, you know if you want to be successful i believe in this industry the number one number you need to make sure you pay attention and look i'm happy to share i have what i call the golden pnl which is what we shoot for each month at triangle and we have fluctuations but at the end of the year this is how i want my pnl to shake out and by the way don't don't look at these numbers. If you use Dan's chart of accounts, then this PL is going to make sense to you. It may not make sense to you if you're, you know, if you have your PL structured a separate way because of, these numbers are not going to match. But but the fact is that if you can manage gross margin, if you can really dial that number in, which is all your service labor and your insurance fuel, auto, like the things that Dan was talking about, if you can really manage that one number very, very effectively, like for us, our golden PL. It's 60% gross margin. We got to be above that. If we're not above that, then that means I've got something going on on the service side and and I need to fix it. And by the way, that's take, a pretty high standard. 60%. Yeah, that, that's ours. Right. Rollins, I mean, that, if right. you look at Renegale, they're not at 60%. But six, we definitely have clients that are 60. But uh, I will say, in, in Donnie's mind, we do annual service with monthly billing. It's a mediocre number. <laughs> If you're yeah, structured three times a year, absolutely, because your dollars yep. per hour is so high. So let me exactly. just real quickly talk about like all this talk about break even analysis. What, what does it take to break even? It doesn't. That's not as important. What's important is the concept of what happens after you break even, right? So mm -hmm. let's say so your gross margin is fifty percent. I'm just using that. Not that that's a good one, but I'm using that to to keep the numbers simple. But let's say you do $100,000 worth of business. So your gross profit or your gross margin of 50%, that's $50,000. Let's say that it costs sales, marketing, and office cost another 50000 fixed, right? So that's a fixed amount. So I do my 100000 The first fifty goes to my direct costs to get to my gross margin of 50%. Or fifty thousand dollars. The next fifty thousand goes to pay off all these fixed costs. When I do a hundred thousand and one dollars, how much profit do I make on that incremental one dollar? Fifty cents. I mean, that's a hundred. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, you got your gross margin, but yeah, it's it gets fifty cents, assuming good. that my fixed costs don't go up, right? So Correct. let's say I Correct. do two hundred thousand dollars in revenue. So I just went from break even at 100,000 to $50,000 of profit. This is a very interesting one because a lot of people think, well, if I double my business, I'm going to double my profit. No, your profit goes up exponentially. I can't tell you how many clients we've taken on while they were in the throes of trying to get that break even. And once they hit that break even, all of a sudden, what do you think it is? Dan, we owe a ton of taxes. Why? Right, right. You're, yep. you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. You're making money, right? So it's really, really important. 
Well, I, and so, so let's just say you figured that out again for, for us, if you manage that gross margin number extremely well, that, that to me is probably the most difficult one to fix. Um, mainly because Absolutely. it's, it's, it's pricing, it's pricing, it's and efficiency. Yeah. Exactly. These are the, but, but if you can get that dialed in, it makes the rest of the business nice. The other one on the golden P and L. So selling and advertising 10%. That's kind of aggressive. Not everyone wants that. And by the way, these are Donnie's numbers. I'm not telling you this is what you should be. The cost study is going to tell you something a little different. It may be a little, you know, as far as the average, you can set it wherever you want. If I was a growth company, I'm small. It might be 15, 20%. If I'm a mature company and I'm back and I've got the throttles back, I just like to be actually six or 8%. But for now, we like moderate. So 10% for selling and advertising. And then on the general How much selling side, and how much advertising? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So it's going to be like six and four, you know, with, with six to seven being on marketing um, mm -hmm. and the, and sales is not that expensive out of that. And then G and A, you know, these are like paying your managers. This is paying your office. This is paying your rent, those types of things. That's 27%. And if you do all of that, then that means your net profit really should be around 20 north of 20%. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a that's really healthy class. company. Yeah, that's Correct. That's that's what we shoot for. And the beautiful thing is, is that if you fix your gross margin, all your other costs drop 100% to the bottom line. Meaning that if you're able to, if you're able to, if you're able to do advertising, any dollar you save in advertising, 100% of that dollar drops to the bottom line. Anything that you're able to do in the office to be more efficient 100% of that saved dollar drops to the bottom line. And so that's really important that while gross margin is your, your most important stat in my mind, you still need to manage sell, you know, SNA and GNA, because if you can get SNA and GNA, that's where you really make your money. <laughs> well, it, that's where you really it, make it, your profit. If, if you think about uh, your business as a manufacturing process, you manufacture hours of pest control or lawn care and the inputs so your your gross profit, as you said, is is extremely important, or gross margin expressed as a decimal, extremely extremely important uh, because um, once you start to add volume at that gross margin, your profits go way up. Now, not to right. say that all fixed costs are fixed. I like to call them stepped costs, right? So when you reach a certain level. You need a bigger office. You need another CSR. You need a copy machine, whatever. Another manager, so, right? Another manager, right? So yeah. fixed costs are fixed uh, for a certain period of time or a period of, within your P&L, and then they become a step cost. So they're variable, but they don't move up this way. They move like a step. So, And yeah. if you're watching YouTube, you get to see my big fat fingers make the shape of a step. So... <laughs> oh boy all yeah. right so so those are those are kind of your important benchmarks let's talk about you know using benchmarking in a business like how do you use this in your business so that it helps you improve and i think this is an excellent excellent part he put in the outline and yes we are back on the outline uh for a short time i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> but but you know the reality of it is is that in i mean to kind of bring this in in full circle and even back to the beginning question which again i just laugh at why do you need to benchmark i think the biggest thing is you need benchmarking in your business because it's going to help you make progress i mean ultimately we're all trying i mean we're all good people we're all trying to make 
a profit. We're all trying to, to, you know, grow our business. The reality of it is, is that you need some sort of baseline to help you, uh, to help guide where you need to focus. And then like going back to this whole leadership capital thing, and so that you spend your time wisely on things that you really can improve and have a big impact in your business. If you're trying to move a number, I mean, I remember years ago when we were, we were working on actually retention and we got right around one, we got around 1% a month and then it got to 0.8% a month, which was just phenomenal, you know, in terms of retention. And we spent so much time and effort trying to move that number. And we just, I mean, we're talking like tenths of percent of a change. And it took so much effort to do that when we had other areas of the business that, you know, that much effort would have made a huge impact. Another, you know, another, so, so my point here is, is that when you think about how to use benchmarking in your business, the reality of it is, is that you want to use it to help you fix big problems faster and to spend your leadership capital, to spend your time, to spend your effort on things that are going to make, give you the most this, they're going to basically give you the most uh, improvement for effort that's going in. Um, so then you can talk more about, you know, how to do it and those types of things. But for, but from a macro perspective, you really want to make progress. The key is absolutely in benchmarking. That's where it starts. So industry <laughs> averages are good. Your historic averages are a good place to start. Can I get better? Can I, you know, that kind of thing. Where do you get the data? Uh, we just mentioned, uh, the PCO Bookkeepers Cost Study, the William Blair and PCO Bookkeepers Growth Index. But also, you know, it's pretty cool is the Coal March. Every year they do a marketing study, which is mm -hmm. really pretty neat. And so, you know, are you how are you doing with your marketing, your cost per lead, cost per sale and whatnot? And they, uh, you know, have some statistics on that. That one's pretty cool. And then MPMA has some pretty cool data as well. So those are some of the areas that I looked at. Uh, Non-industry, U.S. Department of Commerce puts out all kinds of, um, you know, information about the economy, about uh, sale of goods and services. Congre Congressional Budget Office, that they, they publish some pretty cool things. And that, then the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And that's some pretty cool stuff. Uh, that, uh, you know, you can get, uh, you know, how, to, how do we compare against other industries? One of the things that, uh, you know, when we were at like 15 bucks an hour for a technician and all of a sudden, I think it was probably Seattle that did it first that said minimum wage is 15 bucks. Well, our technicians are not minimum wage people, right? So we got to be on top right. of this and we've got to push that that envelope a lot higher. Yeah. Right. I would say too, the one thing that didn't make it on here that, that I would highly recommend that you look into, which is PPMA, you know, PPMA is mm -hmm. more focused on marketing and more focused on perceptions and those types of fantastic source of data, especially for your business. And, and, you know, not so much on the benchmarking side, but really what the drivers are behind um, why people make decisions that they do. And so I agree with Dan, I think you, your, your best sources of data is going to be, folks who are in the industry. So NPMA, PPMA, you know, PCO, by the way, uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm not sure what the date we're going to have Jim Fredericks back on who runs PPMA. And yeah, uh, he's got a lot to say. He's a very interesting guy. So uh, I think Maurice is setting that up. So yeah. Uh, that. And I would say your secondary sources, you know, as far as commerce, you know, the CDO and the Bureau of Labor Statistics, those are good. I think it's good to validate. I just, I don't know that I'd hang my, uh, Oh, no. I'd hang my business on those, you know, yeah. so. All righty. You want to wrap us up here, Dan? 
Well, that's it. Uh, in summary, if you want to be better than average, you need to study the averages in order to understand what better is. How's that? That's pretty good. <laughs> and I'll bring it back around to our example, which is, you know, averages only make sense in the realm of what you are in, in, the, in the game that you're operating in. And so, you know, in some cases, someone may think, well, my averages are better than everyone else's. And that's fine. Right. I mean, I think that's perfectly fine. If you look at your historical data and it's well above than where, let's say, the industry average data is, then you should you some goals on that because that's what you do. But I don't know any company that if you put them across every single, um, you know, every single average that we have is saying, well, I'm better in every single category. And if you are, then please reach out and enlighten yeah. me. But I don't know if a company exists. So so my point is, is that it's both. So, all right. Well, with that, um, just a reminder, all the resources and topics that we talked about today are available on the podcast website, pmpindustryinsider.com. Just take a look under show notes. And if you've never been to that section of the website, it's fantastic. Marisa, who really manages the podcast, does a fantastic job of kind of summarizing our meanderings and our going on and off the outline and she somehow brings it into a coherent outline. I don't know how she does that, but she does it. So it's a great website. <laughs> also, as always, we appreciate any kind of ratings and reviews you have for the podcast. You can follow us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, whatever it is that you listen to us. And we always appreciate uh, any kind of ratings that you can give us. And if you have any complaints, we ask you to direct those at Dan. And with that, we'll sign it off. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Sounds good. Take care. See you. Bye. Bye.